Allah Ta'ala said, whatever is left behind, everything must be given away in Sadaqah. That will be justice also. It belongs to Allah Ta'ala. And it is his prerogative. He may give it to who he wishes. Allah Ta'ala out of his grace, his mercy, he says, no, give it back to the heirs of the person who has passed away. But in the proportions that Allah Ta'ala has decreed, according to the laws that Allah Ta'ala has ordained, not according to what a person feels that he should be doing. So this already answers many questions that people have about the aspects of inheritance, for example, that if a person has passed away, he is left behind sons and daughters, that the son will get a double share to the daughter. So in this time and age that we are living in, there are many, many things that keep coming around. And people who call themselves Muslim, but have objections on all the laws of Allah, have objections on this law of inheritance as well, and object to Allah Ta'ala's decree, that why is this two is to one? Na'udhu Billah, this is discrimination. There isn't time to go into the wisdoms and into the details. Allah alone knows the wisdoms of everything in its entirety. But there are certain things which are very, very clear as well. But just to take this one point only, that in Islam, a woman has, in fact, no responsibility. Financial responsibility, she has nothing. And she is always somebody else's responsibility. When she is in the father's care, the father is responsible for her. When she is married, the husband is now responsible for her. If the husband has passed away, he has adult children, those children are responsible for her to the extent of their capacity. Or the male relatives in the family will be responsible. And in a normal Islamic society and state, eventually the people ma will be responsible for her. She is at no stage responsible for herself. That is in the, as far as the normal Islamic society is concerned, that is the position. The different thing that in practice things have become somewhat on another line. A person now, somebody has become widowed and nobody is taking charge of that responsibility. That is our wrongdoing. That is not the wrongdoing of Deen and Sharia. That is our practice. So in any case, the point that we are making here is that all the laws of Allah Taala, these are filled with wisdom, but that is not our department. That what is the wisdom? Our department is what is the law of Allah Taala? What is the command of Allah Taala? Allah Taala's command, without any question, we will now adhere to it. And like we are meant to adhere to the laws of Salah, that a person will make wudu first, and after making wudu only his salah will be valid. And now for example, a person has broken his wudu, he passed wind, so he will refresh his wudu. He will still wash his face again, he will wash his hands again, he will make basa again, and he will wash his feet again. And that will now make salah permissible for him. Now logically, this doesn't add up anywhere. But it's not our logic that counts. It's the law of Allah Ta'ala. So just as in salah, he will Submit to Allah Ta'ala's law. Allah Ta'ala made it four akas in Zohar and three in Maghrib. We can't interfere with that. And likewise in fasting, Allah Ta'ala decreed it when it will start, when it will finish. What can be done, what can't be done. And in zakat, it will be two and a half percent, not three percent. 
and not two percent also. So all these are things that Allah Ta'ala has ordained, we will adhere to it according to Allah Ta'ala's command. Likewise is the aspect of inheritance. The aspect of inheritance, this is a very, very sensitive issue. Very, very delicate matter. Because it pertains to Hukukul Ibad. There are those aspects of Deen which are Hukukullah, the rights of Allah. Person's salah, his fasting, his all various other ibadahs of his nature, all Hukukullah. And then there are those which are the rights of the servants of Allah. Hukukul Ibad. Person they are rights upon him for his family, for his parents, for his wife, for his children, for his neighbor, for people in society, depending on what the nature is, what the situation is, is all Hukukul Ibad. He's bought something from somebody, he's owing the person money, that is Hakul Abd, that is the right of the servant of Allah. Hukukul Ibad is a very, very sensitive issue. In terms of Hukukullah, Allah Ta'ala will forgive out of his grace and mercy. Person has sincerely repented, he's made toba, he's made amends, Allah Ta'ala will forgive him. He's sinned against Allah Ta'ala, he's made sincere toba, he's come back, he's repented, Allah Ta'ala will forgive him. But when it comes to the rights of people, the day of Qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala will say, well, you now sort the matter out of the person. So that person hasn't forgiven, Allah Ta'ala won't forgive, that's the rule. Something that Allah Ta'ala wishes to do apart from the rule, that's his prerogative. That's the rule. So on the day of Qiyamah, if a person has not settled the hukuk of ibad in dunya, on the day of Qiyamah will be a very major issue. The Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam asked the Sahaba, you know who's a pauper, a muflis? No, we don't know who's a muflis. According to us, the muflis is somebody who doesn't have any wealth. Nabi Islam said, not him. I'm talking of the muflis and the pauper of my ummah. Will come on the day of Qiyamah with a lot of good deeds. Salah, zakat, fasting, hajj, umrah, all of good deeds. But you will have come in a condition that he has transgressed the law, the rights of people. He usurped somebody's wealth, he hit somebody wrongfully, he swore at somebody, and all kinds of rights of people he trampled. On the day of Qiyamah, these people will come to now claim. And that day what would be the payout with? The payout would be with the person's good deeds, his amal. So now his salah is going, his zakat is going, his hajj is going, his umrah is going. Everything is getting dished out. And a time comes when now everything is dished out, there's nothing left. But the line of claimants hasn't finished. So well, he's got nothing to give, so you put your sins onto him in return. The beast last one says, Summa ukhidat min khatayahum. Their sins will then be taken and put up to him and he'll be thrown into Jahannam Allah for to save us. So Hukukul Ibad is a very, very sensitive thing. And something that we cannot ever afford to shirk in, to take chances in. Not that we should be taking chances with Hukullah also, but this is even more sensitive. Coming to the aspect of inheritance, just to highlight how sensitive this is, one person was very sick. He was on his deathbed. Some people were sitting around him, it was night. There was a lamp on there. 
One Buzruk had also come, he was also sitting there, and it was obvious now that this person is, so they were sitting. Any case, as the moments passed by, finally this person breathed his last, he passed away. As soon as he passed away, he took the last breath, that Buzruk immediately extinguished the lamp. Now it was dark, it was night, and this lamp was the only source of the light in that room. And there were many people in there, and he extinguished the lamp. So those who were there, somebody complained, what, what are you doing? Why did you extinguish the lamp? You left everybody in darkness now. So he immediately replied and said, that as long as this person was living, then this was his ownership. He owned the lamp. The oil burning in that lamp was burning for his benefit. And he owned it, so this was fine. Now that he's passed away, this doesn't belong to him anymore. He's no more around. This is now the ownership of his heirs. We haven't taken permission from them. And if perchance there is some orphan among the heirs, then that orphan's permission also is of no significance. That if he gives the permission also, it's not valid. So what right do we have to use any item of his, of the heirs without their permission? We have no right to do this. Now this is somebody who understood what is the importance of the laws of Allah Ta'ala pertaining to inheritance, this belongs to somebody else. And this is how sensitive this is. Unfortunately, many times this is taken very, very casually. Fine, things will happen, we'll carry on, we'll sort it out sometime later. And in the meantime, somebody's thing is being used by somebody else without the person's permission. Some orphans' things are getting used up. Whereas the orphans, well, Allah says that, nara. person eating up the wealth of the orphan is actually eating fire into his body. So coming to the aspect of inheritance itself, this is how important it is that a person is conscious that what is the law of being regarding inheritance and how does the whole thing operate, what is supposed to be done. The discussion that we will just confine ourselves is to the aspect of certain things which create problems later on and how to try and avoid that. There are several different angles to the aspect of inheritance. One is that when a person has passed away, who will inherit what? That is something we don't need to discuss here. Because that is something Allah has already ordained and decreed. Nobody has to write in his will that my son will get this, or my daughter will get that, or my wife will get that. He cannot stipulate anything but what Allah has already ordained. The wife will get one eighth, that is what she shall get. If the parents are living, they'll get one sixth, that is what they will get. He cannot change that for anything. So that is something that is already clear cut. But there are various different situations which sometimes the shares are they vary from situation to situation. And this is the job of somebody experienced in the field. Ali Mufti was experienced in the field. This is his job. We don't take chances through some book. Person lists down all the heirs who are the survivors of the deceased. 
and he passes it on to the Mufti and he gives the answer. And in this situation, so and so inherits so much, so and so inherits so much, this person you mentioned here doesn't inherit. Whatever it is, he'll tell it. This is not for us to delve into that. But there are many things that we have to be conscious about so that we do the right thing to start off with that we conduct our affairs in such a way that it doesn't create problems later. That's one important aspect. And then the other thing is that there are certain aspects that we have to bear in mind to do it correctly in terms of, for example, the will, etc. So that is where we will confine our discussion to. Unfortunately, very often, when it comes to the aspect of inheritance, this becomes a very, very contentious issue, problematic, and it becomes the starting point, Allah forbid, many a times, of a family disintegrating. That muhabbat that was there, that unity that was there, suddenly the time of inheritance has come, and everything just starts crumbling apart. Many a times, this is due to having not have put our affairs in order. So if we haven't put our affairs in order, we are actually leaving a legacy of problems. And we are setting the stage for major contentions later, problems, fighting and arguing and bickering. So the very important thing is to always have one's affairs in order. Now just to take some examples of how sometimes the way we have conducted things lead to the problem. One example, and actually where this stems from is, the clear definition of ownership. Who owns what? Now just to take one example, a person is working, mashallah, is earning, earning something fine, moderate. So now as time went along, he needed to buy a car. So now he doesn't have sufficient money to buy the car. So his wife had some money. She either somebody, her father gave her, whatever it is, she had some money. She was doing some baking and sewing from home, she saved up something. So she put some money in. Now he bought a car, whatever it was, sometimes people build their houses, buy a house, or she contributed something. Sometimes somebody, other family member contributed something. So everybody put in whatever they wanted to put in, that house is bought. Obviously the father now signed all the documentation, everything, the title leaving on his name. Life carried on. Nobody gave any second thought to it. Now suddenly the person passes away. When the person passes away, so now his widowed wife says, but half this car is mine. Somebody else says, but why is yours? says, no, well, I put half the money in. No, that you gave it to him as a gift. She's saying, what gift? Who gave it to now, in his lifetime, perhaps, if she would ask, see, no, anybody makes any issues of this? This is the obvious thing. Now he's gone, suddenly it became now half his mind. This is a very common thing in monetary issues. When the numbers are small, there's about two, three thousand rands to worry about. See, don't make an issue over an issue now, small thing now. You make a big, big fuss about this. Keep it now, don't worry, it's mine. Yeah, it's all ours now, so keep it. One, two thousand rands, everybody was keep it. But now suddenly there's another four, five zeros after that. 
This is my heart. But it was one two thousand it was this. Don't make an issue of money, man. Money matters, you make a big story about it. But now the same money now in the figures grow, I became my heart. Yes, it may be your heart. But it must be clear heart. So now this is one very common issue that there isn't any definition of that ownership. Who owns what amount of that item? Every item, there must be a clear owner of it. And if it's owned in partnership, it's owned by more than one person, it must be clearly known who owns what. What proportion? If the husband and wife are jointly owning that house, it must be known what proportion. Half and half? Or 75, 25? Or what it is? It will be known by everybody. Sometimes it might be one person's name, two people owning it, it must be known, it should be recorded. If this house belongs to A and B, these are the proportions. He was in his last days of life, he was very ill, and he was in one room of the house, visitors would come, sit to him, etc. So one day somebody brought in a cup of tea from the house into the room. So he had the tea and then he told him, one of his sons, that take this away. Whoever it might have been in the house, that take this back to the kitchen immediately. He said, okay, just now. And he remained lying there. After a while he told him, please take this away. So he, the person, whoever it was, he felt a bit strange that what's a big deal about this one cup that's lying here now? But he didn't really, he was probably busy with something, so he didn't take note immediately to take it away. After a short while again, he became very disturbed. And in a very strong way, he said, haven't I told you already two, three times, take this away now. Then he asked him, but fine, you go this now. Is there some reason why you are so forceful about it, to take one cup away now? He said, yes, I've made it very clear already, I've recorded it. That whatever is in this room belongs to me. And anything outside this room doesn't belong to me. That belongs to somebody else in this house. So whatever is here, if I pass away, this will become part of my estate. Now this cup doesn't belong to me. And I have recorded this. That what is inside this room belongs to me. And this cup gets left behind here. And if I suddenly pass away now, this too will be counted as part of my estate. It belongs to somebody else. I will be usurping somebody's property. Now, this was how sensitive they were to this aspect of inheritance that nothing that does not belong to me must get counted as part of my estate. So in any case, this definition of property, this is one example. Another very common situation, often this happens in business communities. A person started off a business, is carrying on started off with very, very small size business carrying on. As time went along, one of the sons now grew up, the son came into the business, he needed help. So now father and son are carrying on. Sometime later the second son came along. Now the business begins to grow. The father is now, because he's got enough hands, so he's taking the vaccine. And now the sons are moving ahead with it. They have their fancy ideas and they want to take it to another level. So that modest sized business has now grown three times in size. In the meantime, one daughter got married, so everything from the business obviously. One son wanted to study, he didn't want to come in the business, so everything funded from the business. 
everybody else is getting set up. And now suddenly the father passed away. And in the last few years of his life, he was totally more than semi-retired. Now when he passes away, now this business where he started it off was worth one amount and now it's worth ten times the amount. Now the time comes for the inheritance, the two brothers who are running the business, they say, but what about us? We are only getting just allowances. Well, this belongs to the estate now. So now there's a big problem. Since we did everything, others got set up through our efforts, and now we are sitting with the same that others got set up with. So obviously it starts leaving people feeling that they have been cheated, whereas they shall have been cheated. We didn't conduct the matter in a way that was suitable and appropriate. Either in that, now things have progressed to the point where that son has now become the more active person, sell him a portion. That now I'm selling you all, whatever the amount, whatever share, 30% share in this, 50% share in this, you are now 50% owner. And whatever other details go along with it, consult the Olamai Kiram and we put it accordingly. Or if the person doesn't want to sell any share to anybody, they don't just leave it with some meager allowance. When the person is working, he must earn the full direct salary then. So that tomorrow something happens, he's got what he worked for. He doesn't feel in any way that he was cheated. He was done down in some way. Sharia never did anybody down. But now somebody made him work for nothing. And now suddenly the father passed away, so he left with very little also. Sometimes what happens is, that the person now, his sons are in the business, but everything is carrying on. This eating out of the same pot kind of situation. Everybody eats out of the same pot. This is not really the correct way of things. Very often, when issues, somebody tries to put something into in a correct system, then the response is, it's all ours, man. Why are you worried about? It's all ours. But when there's a problem, then it's mine. When everything was being rosy, it's all ours. As soon as some hiccup comes, it's not yours, it's mine. Now sometimes it happens that years have passed. Now the son is working, the father is getting his allowance, life is carrying on, expenses are paid for. And then the son passed away. Meantime, he's got some children grown up, whatever. But he owns nothing. And these incidents have happened. That he's owning nothing. So whatever he was getting as his allowance, that was his. If he bought something with that money, that is his. Or the father gave him something, that's his. The car belongs to the company. Whatever else belongs to the company. So now, his widow, she got no claim over anything. His children, they got no claim over anything. Because his father didn't own anything. So obviously now they feel that something is not right here. My husband worked all these years, 15, 50 years of his life, 30 years of his life he worked and nothing. Everybody else is going to sit with it. But that was because we did it wrongly. So the first very important thing is that there must be this clear aspect of who owns what. And these problematic, these situations that create problems. We need to make sure that these situations are cleared upfront. We're doing things in a way that doesn't leave problems for later. 
Many a times people feel very difficult to sit down and clear things. But that is just letting things roll along until it crashes. And when it crashes in that way, Allah forbid sometimes it leaves such a terrible situation that for generations thereafter that problem doesn't get resolved. So this is one very important thing. Then within the household itself, many a times it is known, okay, this particular item, this big, whatever item is here, who owns this? The husband owns it, the wife owns it, who owns it? But many a times, as far as smaller things are concerned, nobody can say for sure who owns it. Somebody sends something as a hadiyah, who they gave it as a gift to? To the couple, or to one party? Are these are the grey areas. And sometimes these grey areas, there's a lot of money involved in the grey areas. Very big sums of money get caught up in the grey areas. And as we mentioned earlier, when the figures are small, everybody says, don't worry about it, keep it for myself. Hadiyah. Don't make a fuss about money. Money is not something to fight over. But with that same money now, suddenly the figures grew, and everybody says, my heart, I must have my heart. So the issue is that not to have any grey areas. To make sure that there is clear definition, the incident of Mufti Shafiqa is sufficient uh, lesson for us, that there should be clear definition of ownership. Who is owning what? One spoon, who owns it? And the estate, while on the topic we said one spoon, so just to clear one, or just to deal with this one aspect, that what constitutes the estate? When a person passes away, every single item that he owned, it might be his car, his house, or it might be an old shoe which he hasn't worn for 10 years, which is worth throwing only, it might be a matchstick. Everything forms part of that state. It might be that few copper coins were left in his ashtray for change, that too is part of their states. Nobody can say, well, these 10 cents now, you know, beggars won't accept it anymore. I'll just take it and put it in a charity tent somewhere. No, that forms part of their states. Every item that he owned, nothing can be disposed of without the joint decision of the heirs. So, everything that he owned forms their states, and therefore it's necessary to know what he owned. Because when it's not known what you own, obviously that will become a problem. So this definition of ownership. This is one very important aspect of knowing what each person owns in the business setups, etc. So that there isn't a problem later in time. Then the second thing is that to have a will. Now, what is the will for? We already expressed earlier that in terms of the shares, there is no share that has to be stipulated for anybody. That's already done. You see, Allah in that ruku and ruku, in that two ayat, Allah has already given us the details of what a particular person's share will be. Nevertheless, it's very important to still have a word. In some instances, it will be compulsory to have a word. For example, a person is owing people money. 
One is normal business debts which are recorded in the business books that is understood. But some private loans he has taken from somebody. And he needs to record that in his will, like owing oh, oh, so and so so much. Oh, it needs to be recorded somewhere. And reference made to in the world. So as he's paying off, he's deducting it. If he passed away and he didn't leave any record of it, now the person comes to claim he didn't have any proof of it either. So now the heirs are saying, but where's your proof? He says, my proof, I got no proof. It was just saying. He just did it without any record of anything. Now he's saying, you got no proof, sorry, we're not paying you. So what happened now? The debt got left. The hadith sharif becomes that the person whose debts are left unfulfilled, his entry into Jannah is suspended. This is something which Nabi Sallallahu emphasized very greatly. When a person would pass away and the janazah would be brought, Nabi Sallallahu asked did he have any debts? His answer was yes. And if there wasn't anything left behind to fulfill the debts, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say, you perform the janazah salah, I am not, not part of this. I am not going to perform this janazah salah. Somebody will then take responsibility of the debt. Okay, he is debting upon me. Then, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam perform the janazah salah. This is the extent to which this had been emphasized. That a person must not have a situation where he has not fulfilled his debts. When he has passed away, he has left sufficient funds to fulfill and pay the debts. So in any case, if a person has such debts, he needs to take it. Then there is another thing, which is also a very, very delicate thing, but this is reality, that sometimes people have some secret nikahs. Now that secret nikah, one is that that in itself is a problem, because nikah is supposed to be done, have it performed in the masjid. So that is one problem. Nevertheless, the issue we are talking about is inheritance. If a person has passed away, he had made some secret nikah somewhere, now that wife also inherits. She's an heir. She will inherit jointly with the any other wife at one end. At the start of it, nobody knows even that he had another wife. If she cannot prove it, then everything is gone. It's very, very rare to get that kind of situation. If Josie Rahimullah has written, just to touch of it, one person got secretly married. So in any case, the first wife somehow picked it up. And one day she sent her slave woman, follow him up and see where he's going. So in any case, she finally found out this is where he went. And the truth came out that he's now got a second wife, but he did it secretly. But in any case, she kept it quiet also. She didn't sell anything very well. She let life carry on like nothing happened. And time passed when finally this person passed away. And this person passed away. Now she, he was a very wealthy businessman. She had to now wind up the estate. So she did everything. And then she called the slave woman of hers. Says, you see that house you went to, or you saw my husband go to. That he was his second wife. Now you take this bag and go. 500 dinars. 500 gold coins. You go and give it to her. That this is her share of the inheritance. In any case, this 
the woman comes, knocks on the door, she's called him, what's the problem? So in any case she says, well, the husband has passed away, because she didn't know he was ill for a while, so she became emotional. In any case, then she said, well, what I came for is that this bag of money, this is your share of the inheritance, his first wife sent this. So when she gave her the bag, so she left that bag where she woke up and went and opened one cupboard, and she pulled out a piece of paper from there. And she came back and said, look, I am not entitled to this. And the reason being that short while prior to this, some months before or whatever, my husband had actually divorced me. Whatever the issue was, he divorced me. And this is the paper on which he even wrote it down that he has divorced me. I am no more his wife, I am not entitled to this, we give it back to her. So that was her taqwa, this was her taqwa. That she was ready to, whereas what a, this is a very difficult thing for a woman to accept. That especially he did it secretly also. But the law of Allah Ta'ala, this is her shame, give it to her. And if this woman kept quiet about it, nobody knew the better. But her taqwa wouldn't allow her to touch something that belonged to somebody else. They said, take it back. That's but nevertheless, unfortunately, very unfortunately, that is not the very common situation. That a person won't touch somebody else's thing at all, especially when it comes to inheritance. So, the aspect is that to have this recorded there, a person has been this kind of situation, he's conducted some secret nikah somewhere, he needs to write it down. That I am married to so and so, and therefore if I pass away while she's still alive, then she too will inherit my estate. He needs to write it down. Otherwise he will be responsible for this haqq on the day of Qiyamah. Likewise there are many other things, somebody's amanat, etc. Things that need to be written down so that others would not have a problem when the time comes to write up their states. In the Hadith Sharif, Hadith Islam says, if a person has something to write down, these kind of things, it's not permissible for him to pass two nights without having written down his will. Two nights is too much. You should have it written down. If a person didn't have anything to write down of this nature, then it is mustahab for him to still write a will. What will he write in the will? The shares are already predetermined. There's nothing for him to write about the shares. But there is some leeway for him to make any bequests in one third of the estate after the funeral expenses and after the debts have been paid. One third of the balance he can make a bequest. But the bequest will only be for non-heirs. It's a very common thing that sometimes somebody says, some lady now, you say, well, this piece of jewelry, this is for so-and-so, that daughter. And that piece, but it's not given now. It hasn't been passed on. The ownership hasn't passed on. In other words, when I'm not around, you must give it to so-and-so. That is not valid. There is no bequest permissible for an automatic heir. For an heir. For non-heirs, a bequest can be made. So now a person writes in his will that this will be given to that son, or that item, that car, or so and so, that's all null and void. A person writes in his will that so and so is disinherited. Whatever the problem was, I'm disinheriting so and so. That is not worth the paper is written on. It's null and void. Because what Allah has ordained, that will remain. Nobody can interfere with that. So, 
If there isn't anything to write of this nature, number one, he is mustahab still to make a will to bequeath something. For example, when I pass away, 10% of my estate must be given to the masjid, for example, to the madrasa, to some other cause of deen, to build, maybe dig some bore somewhere, or isale sawab. So up to the maximum of one third, but it is better not to exhaust the entire one third. If the estate is going to be small, it is better to minimize the bequests. If there is going to be a large estate, then you should take advantage of this. That this is his last chance to do something for his akhirah. But it is best not to exhaust the entire water, maybe 10%, 20%, 25%, some amount to bequeath to charities, etc., whatever it is, and this will become his last opportunity to do something for his akhirah. But that is not for heirs, for non-heirs. Even individuals, he wants to give something to some friend, something to some other person, he's entitled to do that to the maximum of one third, provided the person is on an heir. Apart from that, one very standard feature in the rules of our Kabir, Wasiyat Nama, was advice. That they would leave behind advice to their family members. The rule is normally always open after the person has passed away, except if he himself showed it to somebody. He opened after he's passed away. Now he's already in his cover, he's already in his grave. And now this is his one more opportunity to, so to say, figuratively speaking, speak from his grave. Because this is now when this is going to be read. And now this advice will be read. I strongly uh, encourage all my family members to be very, very punctual with their salah. Subhanallah, what effect that might have at that time? And he's talking to us with the grave. Please, please be conscious about your salah. Don't get involved in any haram activities. Please keep up with haya. Remove all these haram devices from the home. Allah knows best. That's a very, very soft moment in people's hearts. And people are generally emotional, whatever it is, very soft hearted at that time. Many things which he perhaps couldn't even sort out in his lifetime might get sorted out by Wasir. So this is something to take advantage of, to write down in that Wasir whatever is pertinent in terms of advice. There are many, many Wasaya advices that our Kabir had written which had been published also. So in any case, this is the will. As far as the will is concerned, those type of clauses sometimes which are written in the will, which are not permissible, Paid a lot of difficulty. For example, some people write in their words that the estate must not be distributed until my youngest child is now 21 years old, 18 years old. This is a very, very incorrect thing to do. Because now it holds back everybody's rights, deprives people of what is their real right, and as a result, major complications start coming up. This is also one of the issues that as far as possible there shouldn't even be one day's delay in starting of the process of winding up the estate. Sometimes people regard it as some kind of sin to commit. If anybody brings up the issue also of winding the, the, the estate, somebody has passed away and one day later somebody says, look, we need to sort things out. So people take it as a, get very offended by it. Whereas, that's the right thing to do. Not for any other reason but so that nobody's haq is trampled. Nobody's haq is misappropriated. 
Sometimes what happens, things carry on. Or one or two sons are in the business, for example. They don't own it. It was owned by the father. Father passed away. Now nobody did anything immediately. They carried on with the business as it was. And things are just carrying on. And now five years later, suddenly now everybody is now coming to their senses. Look, we need to sort this out. So now five years later they are sorting it out. So those who were in the business say, well, okay, five years ago, what was the value? Five years ago the value was 200,000. Fine, 200,000 is everybody's share. Presently what's the value? Everybody is saying, no, presently the value is 5 million. So our share is in 5 million. And the reality is, if there was no prior arrangement that this is now sold to you, whatever the case is, all become sleeping partners. Because nothing was discussed, everybody is owning it, and this is carrying on. In Kifayat al Mufti, this has been clearly stated, all become sleeping partners. Now, obviously, this becomes like a big problem. Because for the past five years, what we are working for you, saying, well, that's how it is now that you didn't create clarify it, we didn't clarify it, but that's what it has become. So, whatever is to be stated in the world in terms of anybody's rights, that is something to write down, obviously. All these kinds of clauses about somebody when they turn 18 and 21, all that is totally out of place. Yes, if some child is an orphan, then that orphan's share would be held in trust. That orphan's share would be held in trust. This is a very, very important thing that that trust is handled correctly. Then in a person's world, what he would also do is appoint executors. The executors would be appointed to take care of all the necessary work to wind up their estates. What is extremely necessary here is that a person appoints somebody who has the correct Islamic knowledge about this issue. Or at least appoint one executor who will be able to guide the whole process in terms of Sharia. Many people appoint their non-Muslim attorneys as executors. What that person knows about Sharia? Now whatever haram clauses were written in there, he'll execute it. If some haram clause was written in the world, for example, my car will be given to that son, that cannot be done. So what is the sin of the person who made such a bequest? And if that is executed, then those who executed the haram world, they are also sinful. The person who received that against the law of Allah is also sinful. If he took it by force on the legal basis, others have got no responsibility in it, but he will be totally sinful about this. He is eating something that is somebody else's right. So, he will appoint the executor. The executor is merely the administrator. The executor is not the owner of anything. The executor does not have the right to sell or something on his own accord without the consent and the decision of the heirs. Unfortunately, these type of things happen. Because the executor has the signing powers now. There have been these instances where the executor took it upon himself to sell or something. Without the consent, without the knowledge of the heirs. The executor is the administrator. He's not the owner. And unless obviously some son has been appointed as executor, then he owns his portion only. He doesn't own everything. He's the administrator of the estate. He only owns his own portion. So, he has a very, very important task, a very delicate task. 
His task is the task of Amanat. He has to discharge his Amanat completely, otherwise he would be responsible, he would be answerable. If some often Shaykh got mishandled in the process, he will be responsible. If somebody else's haq went away in the wrong direction, he will be responsible. So the Tamil Rahmatullahi, many years after his father passed away, because things were not in his hand, or the grandfather passed away and nobody sorted anything out and he had no control over anything, eventually after a long battle, things finally he managed to get it out and sort everything out. By that time, people had already dispersed to different Somebody was living in Makkah Shari, somebody was gone away and he worked out everything to the last cent. And there was small change involved. And because this had gone from so many generations and he somehow with a lot of battle and hard work he managed to finally get everything done and sort it out. He made sure that he made very exhaustive efforts to find each person people who had been now, because of the extended families and some person is owning a share who is now the son of somebody and he found each person and that small change also he gave it to him. And some people said, but are you taking the trouble to pass on some of those amounts which were so small, the cost of getting it to the person was more than the amount itself. The amount was small, for example, somebody in our context, 100 grams. Now that person had to be given 100 grams but the cost of taking it to him was 200 grams. He incurred the cost from his pocket and gave that person his 100 grams. He only took the cost of the 200 grams from his pocket. And he passed the 100 grams to the person. This is your right. Some said, but why you came all the way for this? And sent somebody for this? You should have small thing, you should have given it away. He says, no, this is not just give it away. This is your right. Many times it happens now, person has passed away, open his cupboards, old clothes, just give it to anybody. Somebody knocked on the door, give it away to him. It cannot be done like that. If all the heirs have been cons- have consented to it, well and good. Otherwise, one person can buy it off, put a value to it. Okay, what this all would be worth? It's worth thousand rands. Fine, I bought it off. Put the thousand rands in their estate. And now do what you want with it. I'm going to give it to somebody up to you because now you own it. But now the thousand rands is in the estate. Everybody's share will come out of it. So these are some of the things which are very important in terms of the wills, etc. Then many a times in terms of gifts, people give gifts to one another. Mashallah, this is something that is encouraged in the Hadith Sharif as well. The Hado, the Habbu, they give one another gifts, opportunity please. But there are certain laws that pertain to gifts, for the gift to be valid, for the ownership to pass from the donor to the donee. And one of the very important things is, for the gift to be valid and for the ownership to pass is what is known as Qabza. It has to be, the person must take possession of it. Now where the problem comes is, many a person wants to give, for example, he wants to give his house to his wife. He says, I gave my wife the gift. I gave her the house as a gift. MashaAllah, very good. You gave her the house as a gift, no problem. But now, you delve a little bit deeper in it, that you understand that now she's owning it. He says, yeah, well, I gave it to her, no problem. Do you realize that she's owning it now, tomorrow she can give it away to somebody else? 
Maybe her brother was supposed she to give it. No, no, she got no right to give it to anybody. But you gave it to her. She said, I gave it to her, but she can't give it to anybody. Okay, she can sell it. No, no, she can't sell it also. So why you haven't given it to her? So she hasn't been given the control over it. She hasn't been given the position of it. In name, on paper, it has been passed on, but she hasn't become the owner. And when she hasn't become the owner, whatever it has been verbally said, that ownership hasn't passed. So when the person passes away, this is still part of his estate. She didn't, didn't become the owner. Now, this is a very common issue. And many a person of his own accord said, well, my house, I already gave it to my wife. Will he ask these questions? He says, no, 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 she can't sell it to anybody. She can't give it to anyone. So, and he's doing everything, the control is totally his, she's got no control away, he's paying the bills, in name he just said it. So that's not valid. If a person is genuinely wanting to pass on that house to his wife, there are various other laws that pertain to it as well, which the time and the occasion doesn't warrant going into those details, but we should inquire from the Allah Kiram beforehand. I want to do this, what's the procedure? So that is validated, it's done correctly. If that is a person's intention, then he has to do it in a way that is really valid. Nevertheless, in these things, there is a very important factor. When a person is giving gifts of this nature, what is the underlying reason? The underlying reason is that, well, just so that he secures her for the future, fine, very good, no problem. That she doesn't have a problem when sometimes she's thrown out of the house, fine, no problem. But sometimes if something is being passed on to some heir or the other in a valid manner, but the underlying reason is to deprive other heirs of what they would have inherited. That person mustn't get this, mustn't come in his hands, so rather give it to somebody now. It will still be valid in terms of the gift, but this is a very simple thing. Because now we are trying to circumvent what Allah has ordained. So if there is a valid Somebody, for example, is an invalid child. So now he wants to make some provision for that child. So he's bought one property or something and he put it on the child completely in his ownership. So that will take care of the needs of the child. Fine, well and good. But there will be a valid intention and it's best in all these situations to consult the Ulama Ikram, find out from them, this is what I want to do, is this fine? And in fact, in general, when winding up an estate, we should sit with some alim who is experienced in this field and inquire from him that look, this is what's going on, these are the issues, what's the procedure, what's the way forward? How do we do it in a way that everything is done correctly, we don't trample anybody's rights, we don't do something that is impermissible. This kind of consultation should take place, even if it is straightforward apparently. It seems all clear-cut, but sometimes there will be some issue or the other we thought was clear-cut. When it comes to the discussion, we realize something is not right here. So it's all, and if everything is right, well and good, then tell us it's all fine. So Alhamdulillah. And if there's something not right, they will correct us. So these are some of the things, there are many, many other issues, time has already elapsed. The purpose of this discussion is to just alert us, make us aware that there are many things involved in this. These are some of the items. Therefore, we should always be very uh, careful when it comes to the aspect of winding up estates, distributing inheritance, it's a very sensitive issue, it's something that's very delicate, it pertains to the rights of people, 
Our akhirat can be jeopardized, Allah forbid, if we did the wrong things. And that we should be setting up our affairs in such a way that we don't leave problems for later. We have everything set up in a way that later, Alhamdulillah, many a times that happened. One particular instance that happened not very long ago, perhaps a year and a half, two years ago, one person passed away and he left behind a substantial estate. There were many assets involved, business involved, properties involved, and a lot of things involved. And Alhamdulillah, it perhaps was about, I think, one week after he passed away, in one sitting of about one and a half hours, everything was finalized. And all the heirs, the trophies, everybody was, well, however it was a portion, maybe somebody in the business, property, whatever else, the cash was distributed. In one and a half hours, in one sitting, everything was finalized and it was done, signed and sealed. Alhamdulillah. This is the, this is the spirit. One week, Alhamdulillah, one week is Ghanimah. And the quicker the better. Unfortunately, many a times, this runs for decades. It runs for decades. People who are entitled to something, they heard about it. I'm entitled to so much share. They carried on hearing about it. They passed away and went in the cover. Their children heard about it. Their children, some of them, went in the cover also. And they carried on hearing about it only. This is what my father, grandfather owned, great grandfather owned, and that's gone. Some of them were widows themselves, needed that money for their basic needs, but nobody could do anything, nobody could touch it, it was all jammed up, however. That's a very, very sad situation. So we should have our affairs in order, so that nobody is then harmed in any way, nobody is put into any difficulty because of the way we left things, and there's a very important thing out of that is, that inshallah that muhabbat will be maintained. That unity will be maintained, which is sometimes very, very rare. But this is, if we have everything in order, inshallah, all this will be also to our credit. Allah Taala give us a talking that we implement all the laws of Allah Taala. We have all our affairs in order, and we conduct all our aspects of ibadat, muamalat, muasharat, akhlaq, and whatever we have to do in terms of our wills, etc. Everything is done correctly. اللهم لك الحمد كله وردك اللهم لا نحصيك لا عليه أنت كما أثنيت عن نفسك نزل الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أحده اللهم اختح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكرهه إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعزيان واجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعانك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه معين والحمد لله